Thank you so much to our sponsors, McMahon Law Firm, The Insiders, helping you get every dollar you deserve, 265-1100. And RC2 Realty Solutions, real estate investments. Robin Ring's got a brand new thing. Call 531-1722. Only in Jeff Styles, America. Hey, folks. Welcome back to Storyville. It's a wonderful place. Storyville, a great place to raise your kids up. My name is Jeff Stiles, spelled with a Y. Yeah, it does. It says that we have signs on the outskirts of town. A great place to raise your kids up. Um, actually, maybe not today. Uh, this particular episode of Storyville is going to contain some adult language, my own adult language, and not in some sort of, you know, outtake you know, or blooper reel. It's going to contain language in the story itself. Let me go ahead and set it up like this. I was watching a movie not too terribly long ago, and it is a critically acclaimed movie starring Shia LaBeouf. Remember Shia LaBeouf? He was the, uh, I guess, when did he become famous? It was a Terminator movie, wasn't it? Wasn't he a Terminator movie guy? I think so. He, anyway, he's, he's made a big comeback right now. And uh, one of the movies is, in is, is called Honey Boy. It's autobiographical. It's worthy of, of, of a watch. It really is. Fascinating. And, but the other one is called, sort of a, a clumsy title, The Peanut Butter Falcon. And it's about this kid with Down syndrome who leaves home. He runs away from home and, and, and finds Transformer. That was the one, Transformer movies. And, and he, he finds this sort, sort of ne'er-do-well drifter dude uh, who is Shia, and, and they become this unlikely pair on the road. And the Down syndrome, well, yeah, the, the plot doesn't matter, but there's a scene in it where the, the kid with Down syndrome wants to become a wrestler. Shia teaches him many things um, about how to become a man, but he teaches him how to shoot a shotgun. And it's a hilarious scene because here's this little overly short, you know, kid who doesn't have a lot of life experience. And the, the, the shotgun, literally, when he pulls the trigger, it sends him flying backwards about 10 feet and lands on his ass. And it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a very comical moment in, in what is essentially a comedy movie, but it, it just kind of catches you by surprise because it's, it's really farcical and kind of a surreal bit in what is otherwise a fairly, you know, a, a movie that could be taken literally. Um, and it reminded me of a story, of course, and I'm full of stories. That's the reason you're listening to me doing Storyville. And, um, it has to do with the shotgun. The story does. And my wife is the one we were watching this movie, says, you ought to do a Storyville on that guy from the Ukraine you met many years ago. And you had that adventure where you took him down to shoot the shotgun in the warehouse where they used to make those jeans. Okay. Now, <laughs> I know, that's kind of a weird setup, isn't it? And it, the setup's not even finished yet, and it's not going to be that long a story. The setup's going to include one more bit here, one more little piece. And we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of Steve Martin's career, a wild and crazy guy, and he did just one little joke when he still had the rabbit ears on his first album, and it went something like this. 
<laughs> I got a great dirty trick you can play on a three-year-old kid. <laughs> See, kids learn how to talk from listening to their parents. See? <laughs> right. How's it going? See, this is a good one you can pull on. See, what you do, if you have a three-year-old kid and you want to play a dirty trick on him, whenever you're around him, you talk wrong. So now it's like his first day in school and he raises his hand, May I mumble dog face to the banana patch? <laughs> Give that kid a special test. Get him out. All right, so playing a joke on a kid by speaking incorrectly around the kid when he's three. By the time he goes to school, he doesn't know how to speak English. Wouldn't that be hilarious? It'd be uproarious. It'd be a side-split, knee-slapping. Oh, it would be so funny. That happens in Lower Alabama. It does all the time. They ain't scared to mess up a kid down in Lower Alabama. <laughs> they ain't scared. Um, so... There's this bar, this dive bar in Chattanooga. It's not here anymore, but it was legendary back in the day. When I first moved to this town in the mid-'80s, uh, it was called the Stone Lion. It was called the Stone Lion for a reason, because they had two big, massive stone lions, like rich people have for some reason sitting out in front of their houses. I, why do they do that? It's kind of like the American Gothic equivalent of a gargoyle. But we have lions. Instead of having those weird beasties with wings, we have stone lions sitting on pillars of, of brick out in front of rich people's houses. Well, they absconded with a couple of stone lions and put them out in front of the worst, seediest bar you could possibly imagine. The bathrooms were just ungodly. It was just germs upon amoebas upon mold, and but they were still wildly popular. People would pack into these places, had a little upstairs area. It was not unusual to see people smoking a joint in the upstairs loft part of the bar that actually had a deck, and it was just very popular. It had a killer jukebox with a great selection. Well, used to hang out there quite a bit, um, it was very popular among uh, young soccer players from the local private schools and the ultimate Frisbee team. And yes, I am saying ultimate Frisbee, so some of you will actually know what I'm talking about. Nobody who actually played ultimate said that. It's ultimate disc, ultimate disc, and I played for a long time. So a lot of young athletic people would be hanging out in there, very good looking. And it wasn't unusual to see people even just playing get butt naked and go streaking. I know that the time for streaking had been long past, but hey, we still kind of enjoyed it. There was this guy from the Ukraine who showed up. I'm not sure who he came in with. This, this crowd was essentially a higher level uh, sort of a, an upper echelon of derelict. We were still derelicts. We were drunks and druggies and stoners and 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 scoff laws, and we're constantly getting in trouble. And the cops would come down there and and constantly be looking for somebody and trying to serve papers. But intelligent ones. We were college-educated scofflaws and ne'er do wells, and so there were these constant battles. Of, of intellectual jousting going on. 
There were political arguments. There were debates going on about music and film and stuff like this. And so it was a bunch of well-educated idiots sitting around arguing, trying to do one-upsmanship all the time. Somebody brought this guy in from the Ukraine who had just arrived on these shores, and he had no command of the English language, none. How he got some sort of student visa here to go to the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, I do not know, with as little of a command of the English language as he had. And all of us seized on the same opportunity at the same time to pull the Steve Martin joke on this guy. Not a three-year-old, but a, a, a grown man, college-aged, who just plain didn't speak English. And we decided that it would be great fun to tutor him in the English language using the most foul words possible. And we would cuss around him. And he trusted us. He was a fool. He made a big mistake. And he looked at each and every one of us. There must have been at least a dozen of us in on this. And, we, and he would look at us with, with this, these, these doe eyes, these, these doe innocent Ukrainian eyes. And he would be copying us, watching our mouths as we would be teaching him like come on lines to the pretty girls that were in there. And he would go up to a pretty girl and say, hi, and I don't do accents very well. Hi, hi, a good match, your panties and my crotch face. And, 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 and then he would be very surprised and upset when it didn't work. And we'd say, hey, you just got to, you know, you, you, know you, you don't get a hit. If you don't get up to bat, you got to go and try it again. And, and, and we would just laugh. And it took him forever to catch on to the fact that we were really stringing him along. And I wish I could remember some of the more colorful phrases that this guy literally committed to memory and he would just pop into conversations and say the most, most outlandish things. It was ridiculous. And it was always a blue streak of obscenities, profanities, and blasphemies. All right, that's just part of the story. Let's get back to the shotgun. Uh, so we're having fun with this guy. Just good, clean American, Ukrainian fun, right? There was an entrepreneur here in town, another young, good-looking, intelligent guy who'd stumbled up on an idea, an idea not unlike the pet rock. He came up with the idea of shotgun washed jeans. Some of you of a certain age may remember these. The brand name was Jensen Smith. His name was Sheldon Smith. I'll use his real name. He didn't do anything wrong. Jensen Smith jeans. They were called shotgun blast or, 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 or buckshot blast acid-washed jeans. And this was when the pre-stressed jeans were becoming popular. You didn't just go out and buy blue Levi's anymore and wear them and wash them a bunch to try to make them fit. You wanted pre-distressed jeans that were already worn and frayed. And he actually came up with the idea of putting jeans on a conveyor belt and sending them through this warehouse where he had mounds of dirt stacked up, and he peppered them with a shotgun, with eight shot, you know, just a low powdered, you know, shell, eight shot, bird shot, and would shoot holes in them 
with these big mounds of dirt behind them and just peppered them and shot holes in them and then washed them two or three times in these industrial washers and sold them for absurd amounts of money. He would buy cheap, like, I don't know, Lee jeans for $8 or $9 somewhere at some sort of Dollar General store, and then he would take that tag off and put Jensen Smith on there and sell these now graying jeans and all these little shotgun holes would be frayed and he'd sell them for like $120 and people were buying them like mad and he was getting rich and he got national attention. It was crazy. So we're on our way down. Me and my wife are going down to this free concert they're having downtown Chattanooga. They used to have one every Friday night. Uh, It was called Nightfall. They would still be having them if we weren't in the middle of this pandemic. And we pull up, and my wife's getting ready to walk into the crowd, and here comes this big, huge land yacht, some sort of Lincoln town car, and there's four or five of my buddies in there from the Stone Lion. Hey, Styles, come on, man, let's get high. Okay, sure, you know. And I see my wife walking into the crowd. I wave at her, and I give her the international symbol for I'll be right back. I jump in the car with them, the Ukrainian guy's in there. I'm not going to be using real names at this point. And we do what they said we were going to do. We ride around downtown using some alleyways and catch a buzz. And then somebody says, hey, I got the keys to Sheldon's warehouse. Let's go down there and just blow some holes in some jeans, man. Sounded like a great idea. And it's just right around the corner. I'm not going to be gone too long. So we go in there and we turn on the lights in this warehouse and somebody hits the switch. And these jeans start rotating around on this little bitty chain and we get out the shotgun, and all of a sudden the Ukrainian guy pops up, and he is mystified. He has never shot a gun before in his life. And before anybody else has pulled the trigger, before he's seen anybody else actually go through this process, he says he's, not, he's never shot a gun before. Oh, so now here's a whole brand new opportunity here. All right? <laughs> and so we, we start digging through the box of shells, and find it's a single shot and find the biggest load, the, the, the largest load of powder that we can possibly find is still birdshot, but it's not just a couple of grams. This thing is like a goose load. It's ready to send shot into the upper stratosphere. Uh, probably I, I, just put it this way. It's a powerful, powerful shell that's going to have a powerful, powerful 12-gauge kick. And we load it up. And then we inform him that the best way to shoot the shotgun is to hold it up like this. Of course, I'm gesturing here the way you can't see it. About two inches away from your shoulder. You don't want to put it up against your shoulder. You know, you want to have it sort of floating out in space so you can truly control the entire weapon and have and have the front end in your left hand and the and the, the butt end back here, you know, near your shoulder, but you want to have that pistol grip here so you can sort of rotate it around and really get a good grip on it, right? And then somebody cocks the trigger, the, the hammer back, and says, yeah, yeah, there you go. And here comes a pair of jeans. Here you go, just, just fire it. And he pulls the trigger. And, of course, what's going to happen happens, the inevitable. It fires, and it the recoil comes back and hits him in his shoulder and his shoulder bone and absolutely just knocks a knot 
into his shoulder bone. I think I actually saw his shoulder move backwards. It just sort of just, sort of just, what's the word I'm looking for? It just, just genuflected backwards about three inches. And the, 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 the actual, the muzzle of the gun and the front handhold completely left his left hand and shot upward toward the roof of the building and flipped over his back. He just completely lost control of the gun. It just flew over his back. And the look of pain on his face that just went across his entire face and body was just amazing. And I felt, before I started laughing, I felt a nanosecond of, of dismay and shock and worry and, and shame. And then it came. Then it came. This slew of words that he put together, unlike anything I've ever heard before in my life. Oh, shit, my content piss. Oh, God, the mighty G's piss. Oh, fucking in my ass. Oh, my ass fucking it hurts so bad. Oh, God, God, it hurt my tit pit. Oh, cunt. Oh, Jesus. Wow, damn, damn, damn. My fucking tit. Oh, and it just every word you've ever heard in your entire life. And just, and it went on for at least five minutes. He's holding his shoulder and he's swinging it back and forth. He's going, Oh, the bitch, the bitch, the bitch. Oh, the cunt bastard. Oh, the gun. God the damn, the gun, the motherfucking puss. Oh, oh, my dick hole. My <laughs> it just, it just, and it went on and on. Every piece of anatomy, every, every, every curse word you've ever heard. Everything. You, you, you ass monkey motherfucking. Oh, that was a bad, a bad joke you pulled on my cunt. Oh, my, oh, the, the turd, 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 turd is what I say. And, oh, it was, it was funny. It was sad. It set back American-Ukrainian relations uh, at least three decades. Um, and it, 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 we, we made our way back to the free concert. He didn't speak. He didn't speak to any of us for some time. I think that's when it all came rushing to him. Did you blame me? No. No, no. I think it, the, 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 the scales fell from his eyes and he realized for the first time that his group of American friends had not really been as friendly as he thought they had been, and he was a little bit bitter. He was a little bit bitter. He was a bit taken aback, and he was muttering under his breath. He was muttering under his breath about the cum-stained ass bastards that had fucked him in his ear socket. And... <laughs> And it, it went on and on. And, and he didn't leave. He hung out at the concert, but he continually rubbed his shoulder. And he actually did show up at the Stone Lion the next night, because that was a Friday night, because that's when Nightfall was done. On a Saturday, he showed up, and he was still angry. He was still angry at the ass monkeys that did it to him. And he showed us his shoulder, and it was black and blue like you could not believe. But I, none of us, of course, there were no cell phones. Nobody had, you know, small cameras in their pockets or any way to record the audio. 
and I was trying to think before I did this of any of the people that would have been there that were still around today. Most of them are dead because of those lifestyles we led. And also because I was in talk radio even back then. And in those days, everybody involved in talk radio, all the callers, all the listeners had nicknames. It's just, it started that way. They had nicknames. Nobody used their real name. And so I don't know the real name of the red and black attack. I don't really know the real name of the North Georgia militia man. I don't really know the real name of Chickamauga Charlie. That wasn't his real name. I have no idea. So I don't know how to look him up, but I know a lot of them are gone. And so I was just sitting here struggling, trying to think if there's any way to track this guy from the Ukraine down, figure out where he is in life. Hopefully he's not an international terrorist. He's not part of Al Qaeda still plotting, <laughs> still, still, still plotting against America because of what we did to him. But uh, just wanted to share that with you. Watching that scene in Peanut Butter Falcon made me laugh, and I told the story to Rebecca. And I, I, I would love to be able to get some other people's perspectives and see if they can actually remember any of the string of obscenities that came out of his mouth that night or any of the other more colorful phrases. So all I can really do is advise you, if you meet somebody who is freshly arrived from another country who does not speak the English language, certainly, for goodness sakes, do the same thing. And record it this time. Do the same thing. Get some friends together and pull the same joke, and this time record it for historical perspective and, 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 and for posterity because we did it, and, and all you've got now is my, my very flawed memory. And if we actually had it, you know, a record of it, this is something we could we could actually probably have a full-length Hollywood movie made of this, don't you think? <laughs> That's the way I look at it anyway. It's it's fun with human beings. It's fun with people here at Storyville. Thank you for listening. Fred Podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors, Kelly Subaru, Safe, Frugal, and Green, Riverfront at MLK and at kellysubaru.com, Dr. Brett Moldenhauer, Institute for Acupuncture and Wellness, and North Spring Cryotherapy, northspring.com.